Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Woo! The rosters for the NHL All-Star Game in February have been announced, and my co-host is going to be really upset because Bob Probert will not be participating. Let's welcome the 16-time world champion, the star of the show. He is the nature boy, Rick Flair. And H, I miss Proby. Proby used to come backstage once in a while at WCW, best fighter in history of the game. He left us far too young. I get a little sad when I think about him. Yeah, I do too. I actually watched that documentary on Netflix about five times. It's yeah, very yeah, it was very sad. And uh, but boy, he packed a lot of living in yeah, a relatively short life. Yeah. We got to do a hockey show one of these days. Just talk about Bob I, Probert. I, I know. And, uh, and and as we've often said, I think the best hockey player of all time is Mario Lemieux. But the nature is going to stick with Bob Probert, and for entirely different reasons. The most exciting was Bob Probert. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll put him right up there. Now, Nate, yeah. before we get to the wrestling portion of the program, I'm going to go off the board. Before we started today's taping, mm. I was watching Hoosiers, the movie with Gene Hackman, yes. on cable. What is your favorite sports movie of all time? Is there any one or two that you can narrow down to? Um, well, actually, the one that I, I really enjoyed, Brian Song. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, my James Conn and Billy Dee Williams, right? Yeah, and uh, the Gail Sayers deal. It was unreal. Right, like um, Brian Piccolo was Gail Sayers' teammate yeah, back with the yep. Bears in the late '60s, and yep. and he got, uh, I believe, cancer and passed away very young. It was about their friendship and about uh, uh, that story. Yep, it, it was absolutely amazing. I, uh, I also like the one, uh, the one with. Uh, was it Jamie Foxx? The uh, oh, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, I really yeah. With Al Pacino, that. that was an excellent movie too. See, seeing seeing uh, LT and the guys in like in real life, you know, knowing LT like basically knew. playing LT, playing himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, my favorite is Slapshot. Of course, I'm surprised that wasn't higher up your list. Bob Probert well, could have starred in Slapshot. <laughs> Actually, in that vein, I want to just give a shout out. Steve Carlson, one of the real-life Hanson brothers, is undergoing cancer treatment as we speak, and it looks like it's going okay, so get well to Steve Carlson. Now, to get to the wrestling portion of today's program, AEW just did a Saturday special, The Battle of the Belts. And uh, before we talk about what went on there, I want to go back to your appearance, your match with Sting at the first-ever Clash of Champions, which, uh, if memory serves, was the first-ever TBS primetime special for wrestling. It popped a big number and it made sting. What are your prevalent memories of that clash, Nate? Oh, just that I had an opportunity to work with. I mean, I, I, I saw so much in him. Um, 
in terms of charisma, his look was a, a, a very, very unique look at that time. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even compare the word to, to, to Sting. I mean, in that first, obviously not in-ring work, but I just thought Steve, you know, what landed that, that, that it factor. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, to tell somebody you're going to go, I think we were like went 55 minutes, but uh, you know, I, I was, I was thrilled. He never got tired. We just, we did simple stuff, nothing, but no, you know, moonsaults or anything, but we just did simple stuff that I could do. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I like to think it did help. Oh no, it, it, let, let me do the honors. It made sting. And certainly he earned it and did everything after that to earn it even further. But I thought that match, I think it was a 45 minute draw and you were in the scorpion at the, uh, at the bell. But, yeah. uh, but, but I'll tell you what made it for me, the way that, that he did his comebacks against you and you sold him, like when he would no sell the chops yeah. and beat his chest and do the, do the scream. I mean, that yeah. was what brought the crowd up. And uh, again, I think those moments in particular made stick. Well, we just, it's funny because we, just, I just called that in the ring because it's hard to me. There's a you know, certain number of guys that you can do all that with and, and the people will believe it because the way they look and they and and the charisma he brings with it and you know like I used to put the figure four and he'd lay down and he'd sit up and then beat on his chest. I mean he was just super charismatic, just a great guy. But a lot of that stuff we just winged it. I'd say to him, "Hey," I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Don't sell this." And I would knock. Him. He let me hit. The, he let me knock the living shit. Out of him. <laughs> so he, he was just like steamboat. He didn't care. A lot of guys well, it, it was but. excellent. And uh, did you know going into that match that Sting could be that good and be that big, or were you kind of, kind of like uh, hedging your bet with him beforehand? Did, how much did you believe before that match in Sting? I believed in him. I, I, I wouldn't have put myself in that position if I didn't think it, we could do it. Because I, I don't think anybody would potentially take this kid who was so good, you know, who had such a great look. Put him in there with me for forty-five minutes, knowing that I'm in decent shape. Um, I, I think everybody believed in him, and ultimately, um, which he acknowledges all the time. I'm, I'm very happy of that. That he, that helped launch his career, and it was a, but it, but it's one of those things that I, I helped launch his. He helped create a longevity of mine. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, no question about that. That was definitely a two-way street, and uh, yep. he became an even bigger star. And for a, a, such a long time, I mean, look, he's still on TV today at age 62 yep. Yep. and still way over. So, but that is to my mind where it all began. So full credit to both of you. Now, uh, AEW's battle of the belt special on Saturday night uh, drew 700,000 viewers, which is about 30% less than their show does on Wednesday. Uh, the clash of the champions always did higher numbers than TBS's Saturday show. So, how should AEW and Tony the, Khan the work clash at that show? Is it a success, the, a disappointment? What do you think? The clash with me and Sting did a 7-7. Yeah, it, tremendous. Yeah, well, we were up against WrestleMania, remember? Uh, no, I think I think the Steamboat clash was up against WrestleMania. No, we were, too. The first clash was against WrestleMania. Well, uh, that Trivia number questions. is just phenomenal. Yeah, and, uh, and and how do you rate the AEW special? I mean, to draw 700,000. You know, I have to be honest with you, I didn't even know about it. What I'm talking about, well, there you go. Maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah. To draw an audience of 30% less than their normal show, 
I mean, to me, it doesn't say anything good, but but there's a bigger question here, Nate. Yep. How do we judge a wrestling promotion now? Is it attendance, the cool factor, money, ratings, pay-per-view buys? What matters the most? Well, I would say in terms of revenue, the pay-per-view buys mean the most. Um, I don't know. I know that both that USA and Fox have paid a fortune for Vince's products. I don't know what kind of money Tony makes. Well, not, not um, nearly I, as much I, I, as, as I, I, WWE does. Oh, no, nowhere close. My God, I wasn't implying that for a second. I do know that I've heard people say that, that, that after two years, Tony on his own is a billionaire, that that, that, that company is worth over a billion dollars. Uh, what? AEW? Yeah. I just don't believe no, that. I'll well, be that's, just, that's just what I've been told. So I, mean, I, I have no I mean, idea. I mean, looking from a distance, it doesn't seem to me they could be doing anything but hemorrhaging money. I've been told that their entire TV contract check is eaten up by their top 14 talents, who gets, you know, the guys who get paid the most, like Punk and Danielson and so forth. But uh, and it should be noted they're operating on a different business model because they actually do do pay-per-views and they don't have a, a streaming network like WWE. But to me, yeah. Nate, you need to draw money. And, and that's kind of been lost. You need to get eyes on the product. And that number of eyes need to grow. Absolutely. And they, they dipped below a million again this week. I, did, I yeah, did watch that. That show. ain't good. No, it's not. But once again, I, I don't think, I think Tony is not going to be. He told me when I saw him on Jericho's cruise that now that's a year and a half ago or whenever it was that he was very close to breaking even. I'll be blunt. I just don't believe that. I see no evidence that suggests that. Yeah. Well, I don't know why he would tell me to tell me a story. He'd have no reason to. I, oh. you know, I wasn't, he wasn't telling me to lure me aboard. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I get it, but I just, I, I don't know. You see, I think when anything is run as a business model designed to make money, the creatively it will run more efficiently too. There's a trickle down there. Yes. But, but I but I turn on the TV this week, I see Brody King. I see another new debut. I mean, all yep. I see is new guys. I exactly. see more money going out. I don't see any more money coming in. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with that statement more. And what the problem for me is that I'm in the wrestling business and know just about everybody. And I don't know. Sometimes I don't know how three or three quarters of the card that's on AEW. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, all, I mean, it's no, a lot I mean, of new guys. It's a lot of obscure guys. Since, and the last I think time, yeah, since the last time I visited personally, there's got to be at least 10 new guys. And that was what I saw Tony when we were in uh, Chicago together. Yeah, and it's probably more than that. And, and again, I, I want to see as many people as possible get work because, you know, you're, you're rooting for the guys and girls who work in the industry. But but, exactly. but I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I just – I think less is more – and by the way, Nate, do you know there's a drinking game out there now about this podcast? No. There's a drinking game. Every time we say certain things that we retreat to, you're supposed to take a drink. So so I think you have to do a shot when I say they have 15 pounds of sugar for a 10-pound bag. Oh, I did I did hear that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> now they might have 20 pounds. I mean, my God, Brody <laughs> King's a, a, a pretty big guy. Now, moving on. The Royal Rumble <laughs> was at the end of the month. The formula yes. is... The winners get a WWE title shot at WrestleMania. It's been that way for years. Is that too formulaic, Nate? Would you rather see that 
Or would you rather see a storyline to set up the main event at WrestleMania? Well, I mean, I you can do it, both. I, I, I think I think it kicks off the I think it kicks off the storyline for WrestleMania. And you just kind of build from there. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, they start in January, and they've got four months to make the winners of both those on both the men and women's Royal Rumble. They have four months to build that into the, the biggest match of the year. Now I, I next it, week, I, you know that. See, when I when I won it, I wasn't that I wasn't I wasn't assured of going to WrestleMania, which I didn't make sense. I did, but not the way it was supposed to go. Well, you winning the Royal Rumble and winning the WWE title is kind of a self-contained story. Whereas now the Royal Rumble is something that moves on toward WrestleMania. There's a difference in the way it's booked. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the last couple of years have been absolutely phenomenal. They've had some damn good stuff with Ashley and Bianca Belair and um, God, the girls' stuff has been, actually, I think the girls' battle royals is as good as the boys'. Yeah, no, I think in some cases better. I think in yes. some cases less predictable. Yeah, no, it is. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm dying to see what they do with Charlotte. She's going to be in it. You know, maybe she'll, you know, who knows? Well, if she wins it, maybe she can challenge herself. That'd be a hell of a match. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she probably could work with herself. I've worked with myself a few times. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> uh, now, now uh, we're, we're going to, now next week's show. Yes. Next week's is going to be an in-depth dive into the 1992 Raw Rumble, which you won, 60 minutes, WWE champion, great promo afterwards. But just to give a little bit of a tease, how do you not get lost in the ring during the Royal Rumble? How does everything come off so relatively organized with so many men in wrestlers coming and going every couple minutes? Well, in this situation, and one of the reasons that, that it's, I think so highly thought of in history is there's probably 18 guys in the Hall of Fame. I mean, everybody in that ring that night had name recognition. Everybody had a successful career. And it was like the start of, of Sean. You know, I mean, that's kind of, that didn't kick off Sean, but I mean, he was young in that. I mean, look at the guys that were in that damn thing. It's amazing. And um, I just feel like, um, you know, it was the guys that were in it, number two, which means they know where they're to, to be successful in those, you need to know where you are in the ring at all times, especially if you want to take a bump for a guy, because you can be knocked, you land on top of somebody, you can get hurt, you know, you just need to know where you are. And, you know, I guess I, I, I was 42 years old and I've been in the ring a lot, so and then a lot of battle royals with Andre in the old days. So just just knowing where we are. And then I, the key to it is to be fresh enough to feed the guy coming in. That's how the guy, you give this guy a 30-second all-out, you know, whoever's in there feeds and gives this guy who's coming down the ring, the next entrant, the best possible feed you can. That's, that's the key to it, you know. And well, I, and it I'm, should I'm, be noted. I'm good at that. Well, right. And in that 92 match, every single guy who entered the ring came right at you, right yep. at you. They know who's going to take the bumps for them. <laughs> and that was Woo. the design. We know who, we know whose day that was. And it, it turned out, uh, it turned out to be one of the crowning achievements of your career. Now, how tired were you 
at the end of that 60 minutes in 1992? Or was the adrenaline just really pumping? Well, Mark, I've been doing that, that. I had been wrestling hours my whole life. So I wasn't the least bit tired. Wasn't that I a was different a, kind of hour, though, with everything to keep track of and all the different guys? I mean, it, it, it is, but that I'm that I was I was born to that. I was I mean, for some reason, the hours I never got tired doing an hour. I got only know is I've done more than anybody else alive. Um, but I, I'm, I know my body was built for that. For some reason I've been, you know, blessed. And I like I like feeding guys. And the fact that you're feeding guys that are already over, which is sometimes not the case now, it, it's even it's even a, a, it, it creates more of a rush. Well, you were there, you saw it, right? Oh no, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. And like one thing we'll talk about at length next week was my experience because because I didn't know you didn't tell me I had no idea it was going to happen, which was great for me because mm-hmm. the anticipation watching from the stands the build seeing how it was playing out. And I got to be honest, Nate, and and I should save this for next week, but even at the very end, when there were like five or six guys left, I said, my God, he's still out there. This really gets him over, but I still wasn't sure you were going to win. So it was really built to the end perfectly. Well, it it certainly was for me. (laughs) I couldn't have been happier. Oh, I celebrated it. The general was there. Remember he came? I know. I know. Yeah. We went, we, we all went to the Hilton, right? Yeah, it was another night to remember on many levels. Another night to remember. Another night to remember, another flight to catch. And speaking of which, speaking of which, we're just days away. We got the live podcast on Friday, January 28th at Hot Shots in O'Fallon, Illinois, right across the border from St. Louis, which is the site of the Royal Rumble. The very next night, we got a few general admission tickets left, and it is going to be a wild scene. I just might have a few Coors Lights. Well, I will guarantee you I'll have several more Mick Ultras, and we will shoot. <laughs> no doubt. That's going to be memorable. That's going to be that's going to be all the way live. That's going to be no our, holds barred. Our, our, so. our first road trip, but far from our last. Well, let's hope. Let's hope we survive call, this one. I've had my dots a couple times before. Uh, we're gonna, we, we got Dallas next. <laughs> it's Mark Madden for Woo Nation Uncensored to talk about paintyourlife.com. When I heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought, what a great idea for a gift to birthdays, anniversaries, weddings. But I figured it must be expensive. It's not. Let me go into detail about paintyourlife.com. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you got to try paintyourlife.com. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price or combine photos of people or places you love into one painting. They got a team of world-class artists. You can work with them until every detail is perfect. It's a user-friendly platform. It makes it easy to order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's fast. Get your portrait in as little as two weeks. Send any picture. Yourself, your kids, family, a special place. Someone you loved who isn't around anymore. The list goes on and on. Even an action shot of you or your children playing your favorite sport. It makes the perfect birthday anniversary or wedding gift it's meaningful it's personal and it can be cherished forever nate you know the magic of paintyourlife.com talk about it it's an absolutely fabulous concept i've seen their work they did a fabulous portrait of megan and conrad my beautiful daughter and conrad 
And now they're painting one of me of a picture I sent in the pink robe, which everybody thought was one of my better robes that I've owned over the years. So I'm excited. I feel honored. I'm going to get paintyourlife.com to do a portrait of me wearing the black butterfly robe. That is what people want to see. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. Guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping, too. To get this special offer, text the word FLAIR to 64000. That's FLAIR to 64000. Text FLAIR to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text FLAIR to 64000. Woo! And I'm last number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. Well, let's get to our friends and foes segment. We're going to lean on tag teams today. First off, who are the top three tag teams in wrestling today? Uso's who do you like? Number, Uso's number one. Okay. They're, they're, they're incredible, in my opinion. Um, I think so, too. I, I wish they did more traditional and pure tag team matches. Yeah. They're often out there with Roman Reigns and involved in a lot of his stuff. And don't get me wrong, that – is great. It's it's one of the highlights of the WWE yeah. product right now. But uh, but I'd like to see them get a thirty minute match once in a while. I, I know they have oh, it yeah. in them, and when we've seen them do it, they've been great. Yeah, I like uh, I like them, and I like FTR, right? And the third would be, I really enjoy Dominic and Ray. Oh, they're coming on, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They all hit. Well, that Dominic has just come so far, you know, from a kid that he, remember. He, when he first came, he couldn't work on it. He couldn't work from his left side because in Mexico, you tra- you're trained to, to work with the right arm. You know what I mean? Right. You're aware of that, right? Yep. So when he first came up there, even a guy like Manny, it took a guy like Manny, uh, as, as great as Manny is, our, uh, Andrade, to, they could, they had a hell of a match because Manny could work both ways too. It's like being ambidextrous. And I, I like, I'm not ambidextrous. I can't work. When I was wrestling down there a couple of times, I, it took me a while to catch on to that. Well, it's a totally different way. It's like working in a it, mirror, isn't it? It, it? Exactly. Absolutely. Now, so, uh, here's, I, I, I like Ray and Dominic. Here's my top three, Nate. Okay. I go with FTR number one. I go with the Usos number two. I go with the Young Bucks number three. Oh, Forgot and I wish numbers. I saw the Young Bucks work a little bit more. They're not getting the amount of matches. I know one of them just had you know, COVID. And I wish that Santana and Ortiz in AEW got more matches because I think they're really good, but they really don't get many tag matches. They've not really been in the title picture, so they're not featured much. Yeah, and that, and I that's my bad for leaving um, um, the Bucks out. You're right. I haven't seen them on TV in a while, but they are absolutely incredible. And really two nice kids, too. I mean, I guess for me, because I like all these guys so much that it's hard for me to draw a hard line because if I don't mention them, then 
you know, Rick, Rick, Rick doesn't think we're any good. And that's not the truth. There are, there are a lot of good ones, but if you ask me to three, I'm going to have to put the bucks ahead of uh, Ray and, and Dominic. Yeah, uh, and again, Wait. there are a lot of great tag teams out there. Yeah, yes. I just like FTR because they're so fundamental and they work a pure tag team style. Um, I, I put the Usos second for all the reasons we've talked about. I put the Bucks third because they haven't been involved in a lot of matches. But I think on the day, the Bucks are the best tag team around. And I think they've probably been the best tag team over the last five years. If you look at achievement over the last five years, they they might well be number one. Now, are the Hardy boys the best tag team ever? Is that a possibility? Because that's kind of who I have up there. Oh, uh, at one time they were, yeah, they certainly were at one time. Um, and that, once again, we're talking about different generations. Believe it or not, they were the best tag team back in, uh, God. The, they in they the were two. the best of their generation. I think that's absolutely fair to say. Uh, yeah, very fair. Um, I'll tell you who else was a damn good tag team was Edge and Christian. Yep. Back in the day. Um. But if you're going to go with the all times, that's why I say they should be bracketed differently. Uh, Ray and Nick, Arn and Tully. Geez, I don't know. I mean, I'm telling you, Ray, Ray and Nick with Bobby Heenan as a manager may have been one of the greatest shows on earth. Ray Stevens, Nick Bockwinkel, no question about it. Uh, three great performers, three great yeah. talkers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We probably need to bracket it by generation. Yeah. Because but, uh, you know, Arn, and Arn, Arn and Tully... In a league of their I, own. I have a hard time saying that they're not number one of all time. The, and, and I, so do I. And, and and they should be in the Hall of Fame. I've said it 10 times. Well, but, I, I what, don't know what, how they're what, not. What, but, what, what, what do I know? Well, you know enough to know that Arn and Tully should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Which, Absolutely. Which I 100% in every Hall of with. Fame. And, you know, th there comes a point where the Hall of Fame suffers because of its omissions more than the omission suffer for not being in the Hall of Fame. I always say that about the Baseball Hall of Fame. My Baseball Hall of Fame would be better than their Baseball Hall of Fame because I'm going to have Bonds and Clemens and A-Rod and Shoeless Joe and Pete Rose and all the guys who were barred from the Hall of Fame because they decided to have a moral compass decide who gets in and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. You saw Shoeless Joe Jackson play way back when, right? I did not. I was kidding. He played in the 1919s, or oh, he okay. was on the Black Sox. The guys that threw no, the World no, Series. No, but I've I've seen footage of him. Oh, okay. I've, I've seen footage, but no, I didn't. Of course, I didn't study him. Excuse me. I do well, remember. Talk. I do. I do remember Roberto Clemente getting back to Pittsburgh. Oh, Roberto Clemente was awesome. Oh God, what an arm! Man, you know what he he had just a quick a quick sidebar. You know what he used to do when I was a kid? Here's how old I am. When I was a kid, I used to go watch games at Forbes Field. Yeah. Which was the home of the Pirates before 1970 when they moved to Three River Stadium, and now they're at PNC Park. But uh, I used to go as a kid. Clemente would warm up that arm. It was the best arm in baseball history. Yep. Him and he would warm up the arm. Forbes Field had a double-decker stand in right field. Yeah. And he would stand at the bottom of the double-decker stand, right at the base yeah. of it, and throw three or four balls over the top of the roof. Oh, I could believe that. That's how he'd warm up. It was really yeah. a sight to see. Quite amazing. Yeah. Hey, I'll give you another. I'll tell you something that's true. You remember when Michael Vick was doing the Nike commercials? Yeah. Before you, that he could throw the ball a hundred yards. End oh, zone to end zone. Michael Vick could throw the ball end zone to end zone. I, I've confirmed that. You know what? You know who else could? A guy named Bobby Bobby Lee Bell. 
Who did he play for? I don't remember Kansas him. Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Bobby Bell. He could Will throw it, the ball would, 100 yards. 100 he yards. wasn't the quarterback. It, no, he was a defensive no, no. player. I, I talked to Bobby all the time. He was a linebacker. The right. Linebacker. And he, he, I, I said, I said, Bobby, um, is it true you could throw the ball 100 yards? She said, ask John, ask John, or John Stenerud, what, who was the kicker back then? Yeah, Jan Stenerud, correct. Yeah, Jan Stenerud. He said, he, he paid me 500 bucks to see me do it twice. <laughs> wow. Bobby I, Lee I Bell, think, man. I, bad, I had a kid. Number, number 78. There was a kid. I th- he's in the Hall of Fame. Of course he is. Jesus. There's a, uh, there's a kid. He had a brief career with the Baltimore Ravens named Kyle Baller. Yeah. He was a quarterback. I forget what college he played for, but he was a first-round pick, and he he never really worked out. But I had him on my show before the draft because there was the discussion the Steelers might draft him. And his his big claim to fame was he could kneel. He could kneel at the 50-yard line and throw the ball through the goalpost, okay, well, from a kneeling I, position. I don't doubt that. Everybody's got something. I mean, to think about that, I mean, to think that an outside linebacker 220 pounds, undersized, but like a four, I think Bobby, Bobby Bill ran a four, 440, but had an arm like that. And that's back when guys weren't really weight trained like they are now. Right. That's just, that's just a gift. Well, I said to Kyle Bowler on my show, I go, hey, is it true you can kneel at the 50 and throw the ball through the goalposts? And he goes, that's right. And I go, you realize that has no practical application whatsoever. And he goes, you're the first person ever to point that out. Congratulations. You know what? That should be the, – the, the NFL should make it a rule that that for guys that don't have – for teams that don't have a good uh, um, field goal kicker, that the option. If you have a guy that can throw it through the goalposts. <laughs> Kyle Bowler would have a job. So, now, the pass, pass the 40-yard line. <laughs> let, let's talk about uh, the Rock and Roll Express. We're on tag teams today. Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Yeah. They really took the NWA by storm back when. What made them so popular? I guess just everything, right? Everything. Handsome kids, could work, a lot of energy. Ricky Morton, like I said, um, you know, Ricky was just an incredible performer. I want the word great all day long on Ricky Morton. That wasn't the biggest, wasn't it? But he could think about Ricky, man. He could smoke two packs of cigarettes a day and wrestle an hour and just like that. <laughs> No, Ricky, Ricky, and what a what a good kid, man. Robert too, but just um, Ricky just had the it factor. It's kind of like Robert Ricky Morton was the Shawn Michaels of the Janetti Michaels team. Oh yeah, I I think so too. And one thing about Ricky, and I think we spoke about this on a previous episode, Nate. Nobody sold better than Ricky Morton. Nobody. Sold as consistently in a style where everything made sense. Everything he sold was totally logical. He did it the right way and for just the right amount of time. Steamboat, Shawn Michaels, Ricky Morton. Nobody sold like Ricky Steamboat. I think Ricky Morton's right there, though. Yeah, he's close. But having been in the ring with both, Ricky Smaller and Steamboat, the facials on him and the way he'd go down. Yep. It, uh, you, you, you don't see it anymore. It's just not there. And Sean, the same way. Well, part of it is I don't think it's considered to be as important now, to be blunt. Yeah. Well, it, I think everything's about getting your stuff in, getting your shit in. I can swear here. Nate, uh, Punk had a match with Wardlow 
who is a really promising kid, and I think he's going to be tremendous. I'm not sure if he's going to be tremendous there. I think, frankly, he's more of a WWE-style performer, but I don't know what his contract details are. But uh, but Punk gave Wardlow a lot yes. in that match. He sold a lot. We're talking about selling now. That didn't make a lot of sense to you, did it? Well, I, if Punk is arguably their top star, I, I, I would always just keep him. He's already proved that he can work his ass off, right? And I would always keep him, you know, on a, in matches in TV where he took more of the match. And until unless he's going into the angle like he is right now with the other guy, considering that he's going to wrestle, have to, you know, have to get up, make a promo with MJF and all that. Right, I, right. I, I just, I just would have shortened it up. And I think, I, I think he's being over generous. I mean, that's that's not that's not doesn't make him a bad guy. You know, that has been my style forever too. But um, I just think that he's going into this big program. He doesn't need to be quite as generous. Yeah, let me play devil's advocate. I think Wardlow is going to be a star. I'm not sure it's going to be in w in AEW. I think he's more of a WWE type guy, although I don't know what his contract status is. But uh, yeah, in general, I, I agree. But but that's the way it is now. Everybody oversells. Everybody has matches that are too long. Everybody's overly generous. Everybody is oversell. They just try to put too much in. Yeah, yeah, that's Does right. That makes sense. It, it's like one. It's like one high spot, and and some of the bumps they take are incredible, and then these incredible bumps. I'm not using that that match as an example, but if you're watching these incredible bumps these guys give each other, and I mean out of this world, and then they use a roll up for a run in for a finish, it absolutely kills me. Now, getting back to the Rock and Roll Express, when you had singles matches with Ricky Morton. What made those work? Because at a glance, that looks like a mismatch in your favor. What made it work is he could work. I mean, it's a very simple, and he was over. You know, we did, we did, I told you, we did nine hour draws in one week. That was Great American Bash Tour, right? No, that was just a regular week. A loop. Yep. Great American Bash Tour, I wrestled mostly. Uh, the Great American Bash Tour was either me and Sting, me and Nikita, me and Ricky. Me and Hawk, me and Animal, we had, I had singles with everybody, but or the war games. The war games were huge. Well, and you mentioned that Ricky being so over got the match over, but I, I think you made him believable too. I, I think you sold as much for him as he did for you. Oh, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Oh, I, never, I well, he, some he, guys he wouldn't. Never, he never took a deep breath. <laughs> And Ricky Morton stayed out with me all night long, too. Hell, I fell off my boat one night, fell off my, my I had that big sea raid, Lake Wiley. We out at 3 o'clock in the morning, music playing like hell, drinking like crazy, pitch black. Just, you know, I got the, the, the lights on the boat. And I fell, I went up to the front and fell off. And I'm in the middle of the lake, right? And I'm with Freddie Floyd and Ricky Morton and Beth and whoever else were whoever else was on the trip and I'm in the middle of the lake about a half a mile each way. So I go, God, what's, you know, you, you sober up real quickly. You realize you're going to start swimming. Right. And Ricky Morton knows that I wasn't there and they came back, man. But it was about 10 minutes of me treading water. <laughs> waiting. Like that's, that's one time in nature could have never been found <laughs> at the bottom of the dam. 
<laughs> I, I love the interview you did uh, with Ricky Morton where you pulled out the training bra and talked about the teeny boppers that were, yeah. were Ricky's yeah. fans. I always wondered, where did you get a training bra? I just thought of it because it was all these little girls. I said, <laughs> I've, I've, I've used that line a few times that people have met along the way. Well, yeah, but in this case, you actually had a training bra that you hung up for the camera. Where did you get that? I I went and bought it somewhere, I guess. (laughs) I would have loved to have been there when Ric Flair went in and bought a training bra. Yeah, maybe I sent someone to do it. (laughs) How about when I I dressed up uh, (laughs) Jimmy Garvin's, when I dressed up Precious? Dressed up the mannequin as Precious, correct? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Barnett said to me, you're going to cost me TV. <laughs> that was your idea, I take it. Absolutely. I'll take credit for the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I want to talk about Robert Gibson because I thought he was the glue for the Rock and Roll Express. He uh, was. I thought Ricky was the sizzle and Robert was the steak. Yep. Robert was the ladies' man. Oh, they both were, but Robert ran some heavy numbers. Well, what about in the ring? He ran some pretty heavy numbers there, too. Yeah, yeah, great in the ring. Great. Yeah. No, I listen, I, I thought they were both, and they're fabulous guys. I mean, to this day, we're friends. We see each other. Nothing, nothing's ever changed. And we're respectful of each other. And that, that's hard to find in this business because the majority of my friends right now and that are even alive, uh, well, of the wrestlers, I mean, I, I talked to Hulk. And I talked to um, Terry Taylor once in a while, but I, I, you don't see him anymore. And I, you know, now that I'm not with the company, I'm not going to be going to these shows. And I was close to Orton and then um, yeah, Edge. And I, I talked to those guys, but it's not like it's a routine yet that you are eventually going to have to get out of. And that's why I'm lucky to have so many friends outside of the business. And that's who, that is who primarily I socialize with. Now, uh, did it help the team that Robert was a slightly different worker than Ricky? That Robert was a bit more grounded? I mean, they did the double drop kick. They both got up in the air for that. But uh, I thought their slight difference in style really made the team that much more interesting. Absolutely. That's why it, just a, a huge ball of fire with a lot of color. And, but, and, and then girls loved him, which meant boys were buying tickets. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And the toughest thing to do, I think the toughest thing to do is get the girls in there, don't you? No, but now it's a guy soap opera in the 80s. Well, now it's a sausage party. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. But you don't understand. When I first met those guys, they were were leaving another team out that was incredible as Midnight Express. No, no. We're going to get to them in a few minutes, actually. Okay. So when I first met those guys, I was wrestling for Watts. In Tulsa, and uh, Cornet was there, and I mean, God, they had a full-scale riot. That 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 Tulsa territory, or that uh, mid-south area, was was a tough, tough area. Um, we you had some heat going in, going in or out of the ring, and Cornet was fearless. I got to tell you, because he, he would get the shit beat out of him, but he came in back every time, and they and they sold out everything. I, I I could be wrong, but I think that the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express probably drew as much money as, as JYD. 
Oh, in mid south, I think that's probably correct, and I think yeah, probably no, probably a little less, but they're right there. They're number two. Yeah, they, and they maybe were, for a longer time too. Yep, because they kept going back to it. And uh, how much did the music and the rock and roll appearance have to do with the rock and roll express's success? Because that was kind of groundbreaking in that day, wasn't it? Them yeah, and the Freebirds. Yep. Yeah, and guess guess who invented that? Michael Hayes. I still talk to Michael a lot. Well, Michael, Michael Hayes, Hayes invented the Rock and Roll Express or, or the Rock and he, Roll concept with the Freebird. Invented, he invented music. I'm oh, putting music with that. the entrances and so forth. Yes. Yep. He and Keith Mitchell. Now, was your music, was your entrance music always 2001 or did you have something before that? If no, you did, I, I don't out, remember. I came out the Sharp Dressed Man for a while. ZZ Top. Yep. And then you went to 2001. Uh, like yeah. I said, that's the only entrance music I remember. Yeah, Dusty gave me that. Yeah, it's me, Elvis, and Frank Sinatra. That's right. That's exactly right. I was going to say the that. The big three. The big three. I know I know who I would write number one. You have to. The other, the other two aren't here to, to uh, claim any different. <laughs> now, Ricky is 65 years old, and Robert and Gibson's- still working. 63, and they have matches. That's right. They're wrestling FTR. They either just did or they're going to on an indie show. I'm 61, and I can't even get up off the cots. That's amazing because they're still doing okay. Yeah, they are. Ricky Morton never he never goes down. First of all, God bless the fact that they haven't had, you know, career-threatening injuries because they that Ricky's not a guy that goes to the gym every day. He just he just keeps going. He's got a motor. And Hoot has got a special uh, a gift, too. Anytime you can. I mean, my last match actually was. Um, let me think. Um, was Sean, I was 59. And then I went to TNA and screwed around there. So, um, which I never should have done. But um, we've talked about that earlier. But to be able to go out there in 59 and still have a, you know, have a reasonably good match, which I was fortunate enough to be with Shawn Michaels. But Ricky, I wrestled Ricky. Um, God, I can't remember. I, was in my, I may have wrestled Ricky once or twice after I retired from WWE. And he could still go. And he still looks good. Yeah, he still looks like Ricky Morton. That's what's yeah, important. Yeah, exactly. And who looks like Hoot as well. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, I have to give FTR credit, and uh, we both have them in our top three tag teams. They really pay homage to the old-school tag guys. In fact, sometimes it goes a little overboard, but but they but they don't forget who their influences were, and they certainly credit them, and that includes Tully and Arn, obviously. Uh, yes. Yep. So I like seeing uh, Tully and Arn on TV the other night, too. That's always a, a thrill for me. Where did the rock and roll peak? You mentioned Mid-South. I'm wondering if it wasn't Crockett in the mid to late no, no, 80s. Most definitely Crockett. Only because it was a bigger territory. You know what I mean? We're, we're talking about going up from that. I wrestled Ricky Morton in a cage in Charleston, West Virginia. I mean, part of the Great American Bash. We we just we just sold out everywhere. And, uh, you know, the next night I wrestled Ronnie Garvin. The next night I wrestled um, Dusty. The next night I wrestled... Uh, Sting or, or Louie or, or Nikita. I mean, we had we had a hell of a crew back then. And I'll say it, I've been saying it for 30 years. 
if we had just stayed east of Chicago, we would still be in business. I agree. I totally agree. It, we it went too far we, too fast. We were killing it in Baltimore. We were selling out the Civic Center in Philadelphia. We sold out everywhere in the South. And the South was becoming bigger. By that, I mean going, we went from Richmond to Baltimore to Philly. I mean, sold out everywhere. You know, and you know, for a couple of times we went up to Philly, we didn't have anything except me and Magnum and me and, and me and Steamboat going an hour and then me and uh, Magnum going an hour and then uh, coming back and we finally built it where we were sold out. And we would be sold out at the same time that the WWE was in um, the spectrum. And then we'd all go back to the Marriott and party. <laughs> How come the rock and roll never got a shot, a, a lengthy run in WWE? I, I, I'm not sure there's know. an answer to that, but it's worth saying. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that either. Did, did they fit the WWE mold? I mean, they, they were real small for WWE, and, and they were too Southern for WWE too. And that was a factor no matter what they might say now. Well, it, it, that could be very true because you know when when we when I went up there uh, and was working with Hulk, we came down in the South, man, and they weren't they weren't they weren't Hulk was not he Hulk was not well received in the South. You know we had we had to put um, you know that they 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 accepted us for what we were, and to them, NWA was wrestling. It wasn't a WWF or WWF at that time. And we had to put uh, soundtracks in to, to bring Hulk to TV because they, well, they were cool. Funny you mentioned that because, you know, we'll talk about this a lot next week. And, and by the way, uh, when this podcast debuts on Wednesday the 19th, that is the 30-year anniversary to the day of you winning the 1992 Royal Rumble. Yeah. And speaking of using a soundtrack, uh, Hulk got booed at the end when he complained about Sid Vicious uh, pushing him out of the ring and you yeah. got a big pop when you won the Royal Rumble and, and they changed the sound around for that one. They aired it afterward, didn't they? Oh, I don't know that. I, I oh yeah, you do. I know it. No, I, I didn't. I, sure. I, did, I did not know that. No. Yeah. They, they, they sweetened the sound to make it seem like Hulk, you know, was getting cheered, but, uh, but it was funny. I remember when, when Hulk got pushed up by Sid and Sid said, it's every man for himself, big boy. That made sense to me. And then yeah. when Hulk grabbed Sid and helped you dump him, that was a heel move by Hulk. It, a lot of contradictory yeah. stuff there for Hulk's character. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That that like that's a strange time in in a relationship that I don't. I really am not privileged to know. A lot going on with Hulk and Vince at that uh, time. I think that TV show was coming his way with Thunder in Paradise. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of reasons why WrestleMania didn't happen, but I think it all started at the Rumble. Because no, now, I didn't up, expect I, I didn't expect to win the Royal Rumble, uh, but I was just happy to be there. Does, does that make sense? <laughs> well, yeah, but I think you would have been disappointed had you just been another guy in the Rumble after uh, having Mark, come to WB I, at long I, last. I absolutely would not have been. I swear, I was really? so relieved to be away. From WCW, all my friends, everybody in that ring I was a friend with, just a whole different vibe. To be in a positive, to be in a positive 
structure, a positive mindset is all I've ever wanted. Peace. To be in a, in a, and I'm sure there was some manipulating going on back, but I wasn't part of any of it. I was just there. I didn't have to argue about anything. I, I just said, do, I said, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And, and, and that's basically the, the, the way I, that's how I do, that's how I, I am, I am at my best performing when I'm happy with what's going on. When I'm not worried about someone wanting to cut my hair or tell me to wear an earring or where I'm going to be the next day. Does that make sense? So it well, was I so think you would have made a great was, gladiator, maybe better than yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just, it was such, it was so good for me here, the year and a half I had there. It was great. So I would not have been disappointed because I didn't expect to win it. Now, if you, someone told me I was going to win it, I didn't win it, then it, I didn't know until I got to the building. Well, I think we missed out when you when you didn't become the gladiator. Uh, somebody called my my sports show the other day and said the Steelers were going to beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs because Ben Roethlisberger is a gladiator. And I said, well, Russell Crowe is a gladiator too, but he wound up dead on the Coliseum floor. <laughs> uh, Nate, we're just uh, a few days away from the live podcast, Hot Shots in O'Fallon, Illinois, right by St. Louis, the night before the Royal Rumble. That's Friday, January 28th. And uh, Jim Hurd, the guy who wanted you to be the gladiator, who wanted yes. you to cut your hair, who wanted you to wear an earring, isn't he from St. Louis? Yes. Can he's you get him to, to drop the, by? He, he's coming to the event. No, he's not. Yeah, absolutely is. Breaking news. Wow. Is that, are we he's supposed gonna, to keep that secret or can we tell people? You can tell people. We're going to shake Jim Hurd, the guy who are, wanted you to be the gladiator, will yep. be at this live show. Yep. Because I have yep. a few questions for him. I'm sure you yeah, do, too. He's, come, he's coming to the show to shake hands, and we're all just going to become friends like it never happened. And, and you know what? It's too late. I, I, I have, <laughs> I've had worse grudges recently. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, which, yeah. Yeah. Me, too. So, yeah. You know what I think you should do in honor of Jim Hurd at uh, the live event at O'Fallon? Yeah, I, I, I might have I had to have... have Trademark the gladiator, and then have somebody else borrow that down the line. That's what I mean. <laughs> I think you should dress as a gladiator for the show. <laughs> the earring, too? <laughs> At least get an earring. Yeah, how could it hurt? <laughs> well, you know, the dingalings are going to be there. What, say it again? The dingalings are going to be there. The ding-dongs, please. Ding-dongs. <laughs> what, what about the hunchbacks? Remember the hunchbacks? <laughs> you want to have the hunchbacks? I know about the hunchbacks. The we couldn't find anybody because they had hunchbacks. We couldn't find anybody to dig a hole. <laughs> That's how you pin them. <laughs> now, next up, we're going to talk about the Midnight Express, and let's start with Jim Cornette, who I do not get along with. But is he the best manager ever? And what did he add to that act? He's the second best ever. Bobby Heenan's first. After Bobby, I agree. But but uh, what did Cornette add? No, number two, he he's fearless. He's fearless. He loves his guys. He's a great talker. I mean, I, everybody's got a different story. I, I, I personally like Jim Corner a lot. And I'll be honest with you, when, I, when I'm around a smart guy, I'm going to utilize him anytime. I, and that's why I, I said, you want to come be part of this ridiculous booking committee? So, I mean, there were some smart people involved. The, the problem is they just wouldn't, they wouldn't, it never worked. In other words, like a guy, 
Jim Cornette doesn't drink. We have nothing in common socially, but he's a smart guy. And in the ring, he's fearless. <laughs> I mean, no kidding. He fell off the, uh, the, the uh, ramp and Big Bubba was supposed to catch him. Oh, my God. I mean, think about it. That's what, they were 30 feet there. <laughs> and Jim takes a bump off the... Uh, oh, off the that? scaffold. The scaffold, Off man. the scaffold, yeah. I, and I watch him for the curtain. And Bubba's to catch them. <laughs> kill them both. <laughs> Cornet is the, he's hilarious, but he he is by far the, by far there's no there's no way around it. Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornet. Yeah, uh, I think he was a great manager. Past that, I'm gonna need stitches because I'm biting my tongue. That's but, it. Uh, but he was a great fit for the Midnight, though, because it was a classic manager and act uh, pairing. Exactly. Yeah. He wore the coat and tie. And the big thing, too, about Jim, he ain't afraid of anybody. I mean, I can remember, he, he's just not afraid. And I, you know, I, you know, you, those guys, I'm telling you, Mid South, and even in the South period, when they came over to Crockett, th those, those, those guys worked some pretty heated finishes. And it's not like it is now where no one gets to you. Does that make sense? Oh, so yeah, like, no, like, no, there was an element of danger when you worked in those days, for sure, especially an act like that. Absolutely. The example of the, the thing with Seth Rollins that we had, we had fun with, that, that happened three times a week, somebody hitting the ring or, or hitting, like, when you're standing outside with your back to the crowd, you know what I mean? Right. And when you are, when you are that, because you have to be the guy to pull the rope or trip them or whatever, and your back is to it. I've seen him, Jim, get jumped on five times. Now, which was the better version of the Midnight Express, Bobby and Dennis or, or Bobby and Stan? And once again, Bobby as we've spoken Dennis. about often, Bobby, Bobby uh, was the Bobby common denominator. Dennis. Bobby and Dennis. Bobby and Dennis. Tell me why. Just more experience. They were together longer. I mean, I thought I thought Stan filled in uh, and did a good job, but he just wasn't. Dennis Condor was a hell of a hand. It, 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 and, it, and I'll tell you what, they knew each other so well that it was like me and Steamboat. There were Dennis and Bobby had been doing that for years. So they knew where they knew where they were in the ring all the time. You know what I mean? And when Stan came in, it's like a whole new learning process to find that level uh, of confidence. You know what I mean? We were working a long match. Um, so I'm, I'm just giving it because Dennis was there longer. Yeah, I think Stan had had a, a better look, quite honestly. But I agree with everything you say about Dennis and his work. I thought it was a more fluid tag team with Dennis Condry. Uh, but hey. both versions were excellent because, again, Bobby was there for both versions. Yeah. Hey, listen, you want to know how, how Stan Lane got into business? Go ahead. I'm at the Hilton Hotel with the lovely Elizabeth, Charlotte's mom, right? And I'm trying to be a big shot. So I'm trying to get her drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, ordering Bloody Marys. We're at the beach. So I ordered four Bloody Marys. This is what I was still working at, right? Nothing, no, 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 a ship has not sailed yet, but I'm in the process of, you know, throwing the anchor out. So I'm big shot and, and the kid comes to the door and he goes, oh my God, are you Ric Flair? I said, yeah. He said, Jesus. I said, I, I said, I'd like to talk to you, man, but I'm busy. But I'll be downstairs in a little bit. So he comes up to me and said, I want to be a wrestler. So I started training him. 
In Minneapolis, in, uh, in Charlotte. You trained Stan Lane. Yes. I did not know that. 500 please please expand. Squats, 500 free squats. I trained him physically. Not, I never got in the ring with him. But I got him ready to go. I can't remember where I got him booked at. But Yep. Handsome Stan, well, man. Hey, Stan, Stan was big. He, he was, at that point in time in his life, he was big in the uh, flight attendant world, as was, as was I. <laughs> <laughs> we I was like, our Stan dated Vanna we, White from Wheel of Fortune. Is that true? No, that was me. 1978. Is that true? Wow. Well, one date. You know, she did, well, a date's was, a date. That's more than I've had with Vanna White. Yeah, at one date. 2001. Well, well, first of all, it wasn't a day I didn't ask her out, but I met her. <laughs> right, I got and you. That, yeah, that's, that's every time she spins the wheel, she must say nature butt. <laughs> I bet, I bet you spotted her a vile or two. Uh, <laughs> now, now, the, the Midnight Express invented a lot of double high spots, like uh, the Vegematic and Divorce Court double team high spots. Were they trendsetters in that regard? They were one of the first that I remember. To kind of use those consistently. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly wasn't Ole and Gene who were a great tag team, but totally different styles. I mean, yo, I, I went from I went from Nick and Ray to Ole and Gene, the ground and pound, the grab the arm, ride the arm, from watching Nick and Ray go upside down and all that. And I said to myself, Well, I'm I'm honored that they're gonna let me be their cousin and get that rub. But that, that that's not how I work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, after after seeing Ray Stevens bounce around, that's when I got in my mind, that's what I want to be. What was the best feud for the Midnight Express? We talked about the rock and roll earlier, but also the Fantastics. The Fantastics were a hell of a team, and they had great matches with them as well. Yeah, but the best feud was uh, rock and roll and, and Midnight. What made it so great? Chemistry and, and a guy named Jim Cornette who could really generate heat. And you know what? They wrestled each other as, as many times as Steamboat and I did. They knew each other. Bingo. Never missed a, never missed a beat. Never. And, and, and they, were the, they were the original. Well, let me add to that, Nate. I saw you and Steamboat wrestle live probably a dozen times. Mm -hmm. And you never had a bad match. Never. No. Nope. Not once. I think the same could be said about Rock and Roll and Midnight. They never had a bad I, match. I, I, could, I would agree with you. Very much. Did you and Steamboat ever have a bad match? No. And you had literally like over 100, correct? Well over 100. Oh, God. Probably 1,500. You wrestled Steamboat 1,500 times. Well, from 1976 until only the last time I wrestled him. I mean, we were married. You got to remember, if in, in one calendar year, I, I probably wrestled Steamboat, yeah, at, le at least 1,000 times. At least. Yeah, because you would do you would do months and months together. We were married. We only had that brief separation um, when he fell out with Dusty and he went to New York. But then he came back. But from '76 till God, what eighty? Oh God, eighty-nine. My God, easily that. I'm, I'm going back to fifteen hundred times. Now we've been talking about the rock and roll. I, 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 I could I could wrestle him blindfolded and tell you I could have a good match. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, like again, the chemistry. If you started, if, if if somebody walked me to the middle of the ring, I could I could wrestle blindfolded. I I could just he, he I had a sixth sense with him. 
Now, we've been talking about the rock and roll and the midnight. Did did all those type tag teams spring from the uh, fabulous ones who were Stan Lane and the aforementioned Steve Kern? They were the first of that genre, I think. They were before those guys. Yeah, but entirely different. Entirely different. Tell I, me I, how. I, um, just better. I mean, more, more energy, more charismatic. Now, do you remember when Cornette's Midnight Express feuded with Paul Heyman's Midnight Express and Cornette bladed and the blood was so bad the TBS went nuts, no more blood, and it was it was more juice than I've ever seen. You know, I do remember that, yeah. Well, like I said, Jimmy's not afraid to do anything. He, well, that was the first time he bladed. And, he doesn't, and he, doesn't, he doesn't do it half-ass. <laughs> he certainly didn't do it then. Uh, now, the Midnight Express also never had a run in WWE. Again, that's hard to believe. I know. It's hard to believe they're not in the Hall of Fame. It's funny, they had Coronet induct Rick and Robert, which was fabulous. Uh, but I, I just figured that that just was, they were saying, oh, man, we need to recognize these people in the industry. The, the, the Midnight Sun out there. And Bobby Eaton's passed, so which is a terrible, terrible loss. What a great guy. Yeah, now that you say that off the, off the top of my head, I, I, yeah, it would kind of ring hollow with Bobby not being around to enjoy it, wouldn't it? Yeah. How, why, is, why is Wahoo McDaniels not in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's their Hall of Fame. I mean, I mean, I agree with you totally, but, you know, I mean, there's a limo driver in the Hall of Fame. Who's that? Vince's, uh, I think Vince Sr.'s limo driver is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, that, but I can understand that because he probably learned more about the business riding around with Vince Sr. than half the guys knowing it today. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> He's a limo driver. I mean, a yeah. limo driver's in there and Bobby Eaton isn't. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't. Well, no, that's because it's their Hall of Fame, Nate. I mean, I could, I'm, get, I'm just, I, you know. I, I, could, I could give you some examples of some really other things, but I'm, I, and I'm just like, we're not, we're not shooting today. Ask me what I've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> no, I'm not about that anyway. We'll shoot in St. Ask Louis. Ask St. Louis. <laughs> now, let's talk about a couple current wrestlers. Uh, first off from WB, The Miz. You got to respect the guy's longevity, and he's a classic snarky heel. I, I think the world of him personally. What makes him good? What makes him good is the fact that he never stops wanting to be good. You get whatever they give him. Eat whether it's you know chicken shit or chicken salad, he makes it chicken salad, and, and to have that kind of a run, I, I think he decided that um, you know that he was going to make a career out of this, no matter how much he had to go through, you know, humiliation wise. He's rocking it out right now. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. Okay, well, we'll do a show on bullying because. You're right. That was very prevalent at wrestling at one point. It really is a black eye on what the industry used to be. How much do you think that had to do with Miz being a reality TV star? Was it tough for him to gain acceptance from the boys at first because of where he came from? Yes. That, that's exactly what it was. He wasn't uh, some super athlete with a super athletic background. He's just a guy that wanted to be a wrestler. But he, um, he pulled it off. And it, like, I'm telling you, he... They hand him his his the work that you know when you, when you work through they hand you your script or whatever it is right, and he will rehearse it 
from two o'clock in the afternoon until he goes on the air. He walks around. I see him in the hallway, talking to himself, applying, you know, his, and then he'll go to his producer and say, can I change this to this? I mean, he is a perfectionist. And that's why it's good. No, I think his acting skills, which obviously is what translates to promo skills now, are uh, are really good. And mm. the, the one thing about him, he's never really been a babyface. I think he tried about 10 years ago, but it didn't take. He's mm. one of those guys that being a babyface just isn't going to work, correct? Uh, well, he's just a much better heel. He, you know, he's... he's uh, he, He's learned how to be naturally. I think it's more acting because he's not an arrogant guy in real life. Um, I think it's more about he's learned how to, how to pull that character off. He's not in any way, shape, or form a prick, which, you know, to be a good heel, you have to have some prick in you, I think. Um, but he just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. And, and once again, I, I can't say enough good about him. You mentioned before he didn't come to WWE as this heralded athlete. He was a reality TV star. Yet, I think he's become a fairly athletic and competent worker. It's it's a lot of the basics. I'm not sure he ever has had a five-star match. In fact, I know he hasn't, but uh, but he's credible. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know what his background was, but, it, but I don't know whether he was athlete, an athlete in high school or not. I've never asked him, but you know, the, the reality show entrance was what the guys fed on. Now, he's doing a tag match with his wife, Maurice, mm -hmm. and they've done a few angles together. That's at the Royal Rumble. As you can see, it's Edge and Beth Phoenix, yeah. who are also yeah, I, I a married couple against yeah. hey, uh, Miz hey. and Maurice. Is it yeah. a good idea to bring your real life onto TV with wrestling? Well, well I, I'm going to tell you something. I love Beth and Edge. I talk to them all the time. And I think Beth looks incredible. Yep, for sure. As, the, as does Maurice. Sure does. But you, but you have to remember, Beth was a great worker. Yep. Okay. So it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting because whatever Maurice uh, can or can't do, I, I can't remember seeing her that much. She'd always been beautiful, but I can't remember her skill level. Um, and, and you watch, they will they will find a way to make that a very entertaining and a very cool part of uh, the Royal Rumble. And Edge, nope. Edge, Edge is just special to me. I love that kid. Yeah, anybody, I think anybody can have a ladder match with me when I'm 56 years old. And, and I just said to him, I, I said, look at Edge, I can take any bump you give me, but I don't know, I do not trust myself to be pushing you over in a ladder. So <laughs> make sure before I do something, you put the ladder where it's supposed to be. So Vince doesn't tell me I've killed this top star. <laughs> hey, and once I told Edge, just do something to start the match where I can get my blade out, brother. We'll make this thing right. <laughs> you love the blade, don't you? Oh, yeah. I'm really good at it, too. <laughs> yeah! People need jumped off the that. I said, what, what would be cool that you haven't done? He said, well, I've never jumped off the ladder onto a guy at a table outside. I said, let's do it. <laughs> and so Ashley and her volleyball team were there. They came down from uh, college to Raleigh. And uh, so the day what happened to me right where Ashley was sitting on her friends. And uh, so Edge put me out there. And man, I tell you, this is real life experience. When a 245 pound guy jumps off a 12 foot ladder on top of you, 
when the, when the table breaks, what you did, and when you bottom out, you think you've landed on cement. I would, I would, but I went, ah. <laughs> trying to figure out about, but still alive. And Ashley, one of Ashley's girlfriends, she was a middle hitter, was going, get up, Nate. I said, Nate, myself, get up, Nate. Come on, Nate. <laughs> Dad, come on. I, it was really a highlight for me to have Ashley there and her teammates. But I, I mean, Edge was just incredible, man. I can't say enough about that guy. He just, shit, he's, he's a wonderful human being. Let's talk about Dustin Rhodes, who is still going strong at 52 in AEW. Dustin mm -hmm. isn't his dad, but his career's been very good, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. But no one's been Dusty Rhodes' career. <laughs> so right. that, that's nothing that's nothing against Dustin. Dustin's done, done very well. Now, how tough is it to be Dusty Rhodes' son, especially his first son, breaking in at a time when Dusty was still very visible in the business? Tough. It's just as tough as it was for Ashley with me. As far removed as I have been from wrestling, um, as far removed as I had been when she started, um, it was very tough. What I, were your I, impressions of Dustin's? As is any second is as as is, as is any second generation kid whose parent is good. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about your tough act to follow. And I remember when when Dustin broke in, he did some stuff with Kendall Wyndham. I think they were the Texas yep. uh, Outlaws or something like that. What were your impressions of Dustin very early? Because there was the impression that Dusty, who was the booker then, was going to push him no matter what. Um, you know, Mark, to be honest, I don't really remember that well. But, you know, he, he won't be the first booker that pushed their son. So, you know what I mean? Bill Watts and, and Eric uh, Watts at the same time, pretty exactly, much. Exactly, yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, but at, at, at the end of the day, Dustin pulled it off. And that's all No question. Matters. Yeah, he's had a fabulous career. And he's still going strong. I and, love... And, and, and more than anything, he seems to be very happy with it. Well, yeah, no question. He's training wrestlers now, which we'll talk about in just a yeah. second. But I want to talk about when he was Gold Dust because I loved Gold Dust. It was a, yeah. a mid card act, but it was a great mid card act. It was something very different. And Dustin didn't seem to have a problem doing what was at the time a controversial gimmick. No, no, he, he was not just good at it, he was great at it. Yep. Uh, I mean, it was, I mean, it was controversial, but, it, um, you know, that's the con it's only controversial that people think like that. Okay. At this time, at that time, I've seen a lot worse go down, and the kid made it happen. He was great at it. And uh, when Dusty first called me and told me, he said, "Watch, watch Dustin tonight, man." I went, "Okay," and I turned it on. I went, "Shit, this is pretty damn cool." I, I, yeah. I've never asked Dustin. I, I bet his dad came up with that. I, I don't know. I, it wouldn't shock me if he did as well. But I love the Gold Dust gimmick. Yeah. Uh, if it was controversial, it was because some people were, were narrow-minded. But but I was told there were some wrestlers that refused to work with him because of the character's connotations. Do you know if that's true? I've never heard that. I know one who did for sure, but uh, maybe Who's I'll that? say who that was in St. Louis when we're shooting. Who is it? Can't tell you. Okay. You have right. your secrets, I have mine. Well, my secret, I'll tell you, well, you are, first of all, you know what my secret is, so I don't I know. know who yours is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you after the show. Okay. All right. Uh, 
Is Dustin a good worker? Save it for St. Louis. That's right. That's right. We'll tell all in St. Louis. Woo! Still got some general admission tickets left, by the way. I think Jim Hurd should have to pay to get in. I do, too. Almost definitely. He should have to either pay to get in or dress as a gladiator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, and, uh, o- I would- and, and open his mouth, the first three words should be, I'm sorry, Rick. <laughs> there you go. I agree. Uh, how would you rate Dustin's work? I think he matured into a very, very good worker. His dad wasn't a classic worker per se, although he knew exactly what to do. But Dustin turned out to be different in the ring. What do you like about his work? He can do anything. He's very versatile. Um, he can work big. He can work small. Um, and that, that, if you know what I mean by that, he can work with a big guy. Or he can work with a small guy. He, if he can't do it, he can take it. Does that make sense? Yep. If he can't, if he can't, if he can't physically do that move, technically, he can take anything from anybody, and that's more important sometimes than than being on the offense. I think he's, I think he's really good. Dustin runs a wrestling academy now, and I'm sure he's great at that. No question, he gets it. He gets the business. Oh, he does most definitely, most definitely, and he's respectful. He's nice, Cody, and his. I mean. Dusty raised those boys right. They're, they're just really both incredible young men. Now, we talk about how some wrestlers don't even know how to punch and kick. Dustin throws a great punch, doesn't he? Yep. One of the yes, best. I think it's his trademark almost. Yep. Yep. It certainly does. What's it take to throw a great punch? For me, it took hanging a string, which Ray Stevens told me to do in a doorway. And, and hitting it until it doesn't move. And then you wow. tell the guy, then you tell the guy before you get in the ring or in the match when you slow down, don't move. Because, you know, everybody, you see a fist coming at you wide open, your inclination is in real life, of course, you're going to flinch. I need you to hold still or I'm going to bust your jaw. <laughs> How many guys did hold still though, and how many guys flinched? No, after the people that worked with me after after I was a proven factor, nobody flinched. You know what I mean? But the first time around, a guy's going to flinch because I can I can I can make it look like I'm killing you. I still can. So in between all the drinks, as, ev- as evidence of my great comeback in Mexico, right? On uh, Conan, no question on, on Conan. Left, right, chop, hook, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me just make sure I have the whole story straight. Between all the drinking and all the late nights and all the parties and all the women, you still somehow found time to hang a string from a doorway in a hotel room and punch it. No, that that was in, in the infancy of my career. Okay. I was gonna yes. say, because if- after a while your priorities yes. you know yeah. got to where yeah. they should be. Yeah, the string would have a string would have never been first. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by Super Speciosa, which is kratom, something many of you may already know about. Kratom is an all-natural herb related to the coffee plant. It's been used in Thailand for centuries. It helps energize your mind and relax your body. Super Speciosa is kratom with just one ingredient. Pure Kratom Leaf, which helps you feel good without feeling impaired. Tell them, Rick. Mark, we know a lot of people who are in pain. 
from taking a lot of bumps through the years, and many of them rely on benefits from Kratom for pain relief. That's right, Nate's pain relief. Taking it as a pre-workout or even when you might just need a little extra courage. I've tried it, and it really is something you can take it and you feel good, but you're not impaired. You can function. Superleaf.com slash flare is where to go, and you've got plenty of options. For beginners, we recommend the capsules because they're easy to use. If you're looking for a strain recommendation, the green are the most popular at superleaf.com slash flare. Let's take a time out here. And while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic. Life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place. Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately and check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. They sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Now, as we've been plugging, we got the live podcast January 28th at Hot Shots in O'Fallon, Illinois. That's right across the border from St. Louis. Still a few general admission tickets left if you're in town for the Royal Rumble, which is in St. Louis the very next night. And next week's show is going to be dedicated to the 92 Royal Rumble, the Ric Flair Rumble, 30 years ago. But let's give one more little tease. Your promo after you won the rumble was tremendous. Does that promo rate as one of your favorites to this day? I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it uh, at that time. That was, that was just off the top of my head, but it, it was an absolute God honest truth. I was saying with a tear in my eye, which I did have uh, probably a tear in my eye, several, that um, I, was, I was sending a message. 
that I wasn't prepared to even, hadn't even thought about. So I said, they gave me Mean Gene, I'm standing with Kurt. And you know what, you know what I was, I was saying that? I wanted that to be heard so loud in the towers of Atlanta, TBS. <laughs> Well, the line that gets quoted all the time is, with a tear in my eye. You you see that referenced in promos to this day. Mm-hmm. Every time Riddle sees me, he goes, with a tear in my eye. <laughs> you know what else I remember for that promo? What? In the middle of the promo, Mean Gene says to somebody off camera, put that cigarette out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Pat Patterson. Is that who it was? Yeah. Now, uh, let's get the marks involved, which is always against my better judgment. We're going to answer some tweets from fans. And a guy named Thurstron Pick asks, in hindsight, should Lex Luger have had at least a short run with the title in 88 or 89? I would love to hear Rick Rick's thoughts. And that's a good question. By the time Lex got the title, I mean, was it too late? You tell me, Rick. No, it wasn't too late, but he just... Once again, and we've talked about this, he didn't have the time. He was pushed before he was ready. So, and you you can't learn how to be the world champion unless you can work with every different kind of performer. So I can't answer that. I I have no idea. I thought for sure he was going to be the champion in WWE. So I don't know what happened there. So, I mean, I talk to him periodically. It's one of the, it's one of the saddest stories yep. that, that I've ever, ever been around or known in this business. You know, but he, he, he seems to be living with it. And um, they're doing a documentary on which is going to air, I think, uh, in the next month or so. So I have nothing but good words to say about Lex. Well, H, my thing about, about the question from Thirst Round Pick is, I wouldn't change one thing about 88 and 89. That was all the steamboat and funk stuff. Why would we do anything different looking back? You wouldn't. But that um, <clears throat> that was just, you know, when I went to George Scott and I said, can we get steamboat in here? And we, we could have kept him longer. But he, he just, you know, uh, you know, Ricky was having a difficult uh, in a difficult marriage at that time, because um, I mean, I, I I would love to have kept Ricky Steamboat around even longer, but he just signed up for that eight month gig and then, then he left again. So then he came back again one more time for a couple of matches, but I mean, this never there's never going to be another Ricky Steamboat. Never. He was that damn good. I mean, There's a tweet from Bob King who says, "Will we ever see Charlotte Flair?" against Tessa Blanchard. Uh, we've talked about this before, Nate. What do you think? I don't think so, from what I've heard. Never? Never. Why do you say well, that? I've I just, I just heard that uh, it, I, I don't know I don't know the particulars. I don't think she's going to go to uh, WWE anytime soon. Right, and, and Charlotte's not leaving WWE, so I guess that's either there or no place, correct? Yeah, Charlotte's definitely not leaving WWE. I, I think she's, as a matter of fact, she gets, I, I, she gets, she was so good Friday night. I, I just, it's amazing. She gets better every day. 
she gets better, literally, which is hard to believe. Well, I'd like to see that match, though, because, I mean, I think Tess is a real credible opponent for her, but then again, I don't think it much matters who Charlotte wrestles. No. It's going to be great. Now, here's one from Pete. Talk about your... Just put, put him in the ring and Charlotte, Charlotte will polish him. No question. And has done and will do. From Pete, talk about his title versus title match with Rick Martel. Oh I think that God. was 85 in Japan. NWA a title versus AWA title. What do you remember yeah. about that match? Oh, it's great. We stole the show. Do not give two Americans. I wrestled with Steamboat over there and Rick Martel. They could not follow it. They gave what do you remember about it? We stole the show. That's all I have to remember. Martel was a working fool. Well, well 60 minute hey, draw, right? Yeah, listen. So I go, they, uh, Gino Brito br brings me into Montreal to wrestle uh, Rick, right? And for the NWA championship. And um, Rick and I are friends. And, uh, you know, he was good friends with Piper, too. And um, what's the town just outside of Montreal? Oh, there's a bunch for Dunn. No, no, bigger, bigger. Trois Rivier. I don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll, just, we'll say it was Montreal. So I, I, it was either an hour or I beat him. And they, they fought it all night long. We went in the ring at 12.15 for an hour. 12.15 a.m.? Why did it take that long to get in the ring? Were all they, the other they, matches they, that long? Uh, I don't know whether it was Rick or whether it was Brito or Bravo who was overrunning that thing. Then um, they didn't. They, they don't. They didn't want. He didn't want to put me over. Martel didn't want to put you over. I don't know whether it was Rick and didn't, just didn't want to tell me, or whether it was Bravo and Brito. Gino, I can't remember his name. Gino Brito. So, so but why, why did it take you so long to get in the ring, Rick? Maybe I, maybe I missed something. Were the other matches that long, or was there a big gap they, they, before they, you they went dragged on? It out. They dragged it out. They made the show that long. Wow. Yeah. And finally, here's one from BJ. How about a few Gordon Soli tales? Uh, I worked with Gordon briefly when I got to WCW. What's your take on Gordon, Rick? The greatest of all time. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. If I, I know it's a different time, and all that, but I mean, you talk, you know, Gordon had that same voice and he was a technically, he, he uh, I mean, you, you, you take Ross, you take Gordon Soley, my, my favorite, but he didn't do color was me and Gene. But I mean, guys like that, you, you, you just can't replace them ever. I mean, and, and I, and the level of enthusiasm and all that in a way that, you know, Gordon was just, um, I'll tell you a funny story. So Bobby Heenan, the old witty was, right? So this is a Gordon Sawyer story. So Gordon liked to drink vodka, right? And we would do the WTBS show together, and Gordon and I would fly Delta nonstop into uh, Tampa, and I'd wrestle that Tampa that in the Bayfront Center, right? So <laughs> Bobby Heenan said, because <laughs> Gordon has fallen down a few times. That he calls it that when I do the walk and drop him on my face, <laughs> Bobby and he goes, Oh no, he's doing the Gordon again. <laughs> Swear to God. That's the truth. Yeah, Gordon told he could drink a little vodka.
<laughs> well, I got told when I got to WCW to not drink Gordon's water because it wasn't water. <laughs> it was straight in a glass. No, seriously, I got yeah. told that. Yeah, wasn't he a classic guy? He was a yeah. class well, act. Let me play devil's advocate, though. I mean, I tend to think Gordon's in the top echelon of announcers. I think Ross and Shivani are probably, mm-hmm. probably better. But I think Gordon did something that's really impossible. Not impossible, but it's what every announcer wants to do, whether it's with the sports team, whether it's with the wrestling promotion, no matter what. He became identified with his promotion. When he was in Georgia and when he was in Florida, when people thought of those promotions, among the first people they thought of was Gordon Soley. Hey, I still get asked about Gordon to this day. I I know I'm living in Florida now, but that shouldn't be unusual. But... Uh, Gordon at noon at Malio's in Tampa every day. <laughs> you know who else I put right up there, Nate? And I, I know you didn't work a lot in Memphis, but Lance Russell. Yeah, Lance is good, but not Gordon Soley. Who are your top three? Top three announcers. Uh, in, 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 I mean, uh, top three people that talk wrestling. Yeah, top three, uh, play-by-play, color. Ross, Gordon, Soley, and Mean Gene. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, Oakland, we got to do a whole show on Oakland sometimes. And and by the the way, I got to go back to this for a second. There's three, two other guys that need to be recognized as great announcers. Jerry Lawler is phenomenal. Yep. He's as good an announcer as he was a wrestler, and Bobby Heenan on color was the best. Was I any good? You were great. You were you great. Sure? But, yeah. But uh, uh, I'm just saying, it, when you start talking about announcers, and now, I mean, it's so difficult. Back then, th- those guys were winging it, like you were, Mark. You weren't reading a script. You were selling emotion. That's what made it real. That's what makes you real, is you have studied the business so long. You're asking me questions like an intelligent guy knows, because you do know. That's the one you talk about sports. You go to Mark Madden, right? Well, so that's, that's, when, that's when, nice you know, you to say. No, when, when it's real, it's good. When it's something you're just going through to, to get a paycheck, and I could give you examples of that. There's no way they're not they're, they're not there for something. But it's it's big. I mean, it's, it's just really good. You, well, you see, and, my, and my you're, problem- you're, you're in that group as well. No, I'm not. And but it's nice of you to say that. No, no, that. no. You're not. You're not. You're not because you didn't do it long enough. But I'm talking about for guys that for the years of time, Gene Oak. I mean, forever. Nobody will ever forget me and Gene, right? See, oh, no question. No question. Nobody's my, ever going to forget Ross. No one's ever going to forget Gordon Soley and Shivani. No, there and Lance Russell. There's a list. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want it, to. It's. I don't want to expand on me being an announcer. But my. But my big problem was. I thought I knew everything, to be honest, when I got the chance. Yeah. And, and I was too hard of a heel. Like uh, Gene told me that once, and I should have listened to him better. Yeah. Gene said, when you heal on the baby faces, show frustration about, yeah. you know, they're so good. My guy should beat him, but he can't. What's he got to do? Stuff like that. Yeah. Like Bobby did that really well. Bobby would say, Hulk Hogan, I hate him. He's so good. He's so strong. Rick Rude's just an inch away. He has to find a way to beat Hogan. They got to put yeah. an end to Hulkamania. But See, I would sometimes look at look at there you right now. That you should be out. You should be working for WWE right now. Uh, well, that, let me tell you something. With what I've learned, and this will make people really glad I said this. With what I've learned and my experience, just talking into a microphone since then, 
I would be better than all but two or three of the people doing it right now. There's no question. There you go. I, I'll give you that same pat it back. You just demonstrated it. Yeah, but 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 you know I'm too old now. I don't want to go on the road anymore, except to St. Louis with you. Well, you're going on the road, and then we're going to Dallas for WrestleMania. Then we're going. Woo woo. <laughs> whether you Mage, like it, whether you like it or don't like it, learn to love it. Mark Madden, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Uncensored Nation, whatever we are, on the road. Look at all the wicked look. Style profiling. And let's not forget. Our, let's not forget our great producer, Steve Kaufman. Steve, I, too. We got to get Steve on the road, right? Steve, do you drink? Steve, can you get on mic? Do you drink? Would you like to drink? Would you like to learn how to drink? I am well aware how to drink. That's why I'm four and a half years sober. Oh, oh wow. God. Now you mean- well, hey, well, hey, stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Steve. I'm, I'm in car. I, I wish I had your will. I was for a year when I was sick and then 35 days, but it didn't stop me. Yeah, but, you, but, but Rick, you have a better, you're an alien like Arn always says. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, Rick, great stuff as always. Uh, next week, we're going to do a deep dive into the 92 Royal Rumble. And then after that, we will be in St. Louis. I'm Mark Madden. Thanks to Steve Kaufman, our great producer. Nate, tell him. Talk us out. Talk us out, man. Thank you for a great show. Steve, thank you for all you do. Marco, you're the man. Have a great time in Las Vegas. That's right. I'm heading there tomorrow. That's Rick Flair. I'm Mark Madden. And go Penguins. Uncensored.